Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Do keep in mind that we have other resources and information available at our website. If you wish to hear other English audio messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcast or iTunes. Look for us in the Apple iTunes store under the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. There is no clear way of putting it. All sin is bad, but there are certain types of sins that can cause greater problems than others. And it is not a question of morality, because God's ways, what He is really interested in, go beyond morality. That's one of the major mistakes that many people make, that they think that just by being a good person is what will get them into heaven. But according to the Bible, morality does not get us into heaven, but rather something greater and deeper does. And when we forget that certain something that is greater and deeper, then other destructive things start becoming a part of our lives that can ruin everything very quickly and eternally. Please stay with us as we look together into what God's Word has to say about this. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord. Lord God, there is no one like you, O Lord. There is no one that can do the things that you do, Heavenly Father. Lord, I praise you and I worship you, O God. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may please forgive my sins. Please forgive me, O Lord, for all the wrong things that I do. I pray, O Lord, that you may always remember me, O Lord, in your mercy and in your grace. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that you may please, Lord God, speak to us. Help us to understand. Lord God, guide us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. Give us a spirit of respect, O Lord, to be able to listen to you and to take in what you want us to learn. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Nehemiah, Chapter 13. This is the word of the Lord. On that day they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God, because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was when they had heard the law, that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Now before this, Eliashib, the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah, and he had prepared for him a large room, where previously they had stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of the grain, the new wine and oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and singers and gatekeepers, and the offerings for the priests. But during all this, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the thirty-second year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Then after certain days I obtained leave for the king, and I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God, and it grieved me bitterly. Therefore I threw all of the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. Then I commanded them to cleanse the rooms, and I brought back into them the articles of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them 
for each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse Shilamiah, the priest and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites, Pidaiah, and next to them was Hanan, the son of Zachar, and the son of Madaniah, for they were considered faithful, and their task was to distribute to their brethren. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre dwelt there also, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Israel and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do, by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do thus, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on the city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. So it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut, and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gates so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside of Jerusalem once or twice. Then I warned them and I said to them, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. In those days, I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. So I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them and pulled out their hair, and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him, who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil? transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? And one of the sons of Joiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was a son-in-law of Sanballat, the Horonite. Therefore I drove him from me. Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleansed them of everything pagan. I also assigned duties to the priests and the Levites, each to his service, and to bring in the wood offering and the firstfruits, at appointed times. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. All sin is destructive, but there are some that have worse physical and spiritual consequences than others, or at least they cause a greater fall much faster. 
In today's passage, we read that Nehemiah was trying to reform Israel spiritually after the Babylonians had destroyed it. Babylon had invaded Israel and left it all in ruins, as the prophets had warned for so many years because of the people's sin against God. We read that Nehemiah was struggling with three major sin problems the people had, which in turn, we cannot fall into them either, and they were these. Forming relationships with pagan people, forgetting to give God what is his for his work, and not giving God time. But if we think about it, there's really one in particular that caused these three sins. The root problem, if you will, which was that Israel forgot to love the Lord. This was at the root of all the problems. They were unfaithful to the Lord. They forgot the greatest commandment, which is cited in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 9, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When people fail to keep this commandment, all other issues start to happen. There is another place in the Bible where we are taught that losing our love for the Lord can affect our eternity with Him if we do not repent. Revelations chapter 2 tells us this, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my namesake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And so... You can get so many things right, but none of it matters. And you will not make it into the kingdom of God unless your love for God is at the center of it. If there is no love for the Lord, then there is nothing. God wants our love. That is what he is really after. That is what he wants for us to truly learn, to understand that we need to love him and that our love for him is what should cause everything else good in our lives. But when we lose our love for the Lord, then other problems start emerging, things that can ultimately destroy us. This is how the fall begins, unless something is done to rekindle our love for God. These sins that we saw earlier start to become the symptoms of a person's lack of loving God. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 to 13 teaches us regarding relationships and how we need to be careful with keeping a safe distance with how we relate to people. Where it says this, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? 
Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. In this passage, we are taught that we need to be careful with those that call themselves believers or followers of Christ, but that they are living in a worldly manner. As Christians, we cannot have a sinful lifestyle, and we cannot keep company with those Christians that live a sinful lifestyle. Not necessarily to hate them or count them as lost, but so they realize that what they're doing is wrong. And so they yearn to come back into communion with the Lord and with other fellow believers that do desire to follow the Lord faithfully. That's what some Christians get completely backwards. There's a group of people that think that they need to completely separate from everyone and that this is what it means to be holy. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus spoke to everyone, spent time helping those that needed to hear the truth so they can find the light of God. And so the Bible teaches us that we need to share the gospel. We need to bear in mind those that have not yet heard the message of salvation, the way to eternal life through Jesus Christ. We ultimately need to speak to people about the Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15 tells us this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. However, we need to know how to stand firm on the truth while we share the gospel with the lost. We cannot allow ourselves to be swayed or dragged down because there's always that danger. We need to keep a safe distance, if you will so that we can be approachable and have open contact with people that need Christ like we once needed that. Yet at the same time, not being influenced by the wrong that the people we talk to are doing. We need to keep a safe balance. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 19 teaches us about what should happen and how we need to keep that balance where it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return... Then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vile, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. So you see, God wants us to help rescue what is lost. That is the mission. The Lord wants us to be like him. He came to save the lost. At some point, someone spoke to us about Christ and helped us come to the truth, but yet stood their ground. People need to return to God through us, but never for us to fall into their sin. In the past, I used the analogy of the lifeguard and that a lifeguard should be a strong enough swimmer to not keep themselves afloat, but also strong enough to help someone that is drowning. So then, like the lifeguard, we need to be strong enough in Christ to keep ourselves afloat and not drown together with the person we're trying to save. The Bible teaches us that we cannot be unequally yoked or form attachments with people that are still in their fallen sin state, those that have not yet come to Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us this, And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. 
Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And so we see two issues here. The first issue is sexual immorality or sex outside of marriage. That's just wrong to practice all by itself. It's never justified, even if it is between believers. Too many Christians get into the sin that ultimately affects them spiritually and can affect them physically as well. And the second one is forming an intimate relationship like that with someone that does not belong to the Lord. Now the passage uses a strong term for a woman that gets into sexual morality. It mentions her as a harlot. There are many times that I've heard people sort of come up with their own standard of what a harlot is, that there is a certain number of sexual encounters or relationships that you stay under, and that is what keeps you from becoming a harlot. The truth is that whenever there is sex outside of marriage, before the eyes of God, and whether it is just done a few times or even with just one person, you have unfortunately graduated into this league of people. So the moral of the story for both men and women is that neither should have sex with anyone before getting married, especially if you have decided to follow Christ. Stay away from this sin. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. True love waits. Anything else does not come from the Lord's guidance. And a good relationship can easily be destroyed by sin. And of course, affect our relationship with the Lord, which is the one that truly should matter the most. And of course, if you have fallen into this sin, there's always repentance and conversion. Come to Christ, confess it and turn away from it so God can restore you through His grace. Now moving on, we need to give to the Lord what is His, starting with the tithe. Malachi chapter 3 tells us this, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what have we have robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground." nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. It is a biblical principle to give to the Lord a minimum of a tenth of your earnings or a tithe. But bear in mind that it does not necessarily have to go to a church or something like that, least of all if you have trust issues with something. You can always set it aside prayerfully, seeking the Lord's direction, and use it for whatever else the Lord puts in your heart. You can use it to feed the hungry, to help the sick, to help the orphan, the elderly widow, someone that is homeless to have shelter, a particular ministry that you trust that is dedicated to sharing the gospel of Christ. Anything and everything that the Lord considers a dire need in His Word. By the way, I'm not saying this so you give to our ministry. By the grace of God, we can do what we do on our own. That's why we maintain a secular job, similar to the Apostle Paul. So no need to send us anything except your prayers. Prayer is always welcome. And so whatever you do, set your tithe aside faithfully and prayerfully and use it for the Lord's purposes. 
And it is not just about money either, but it is also about using our resources for the Lord. Think about this. Everything we have belongs to God, or it has been provided by God in one way or another. God only desires the first tenth. Consider this also. 90% of something is much better than 100% of nothing. And finally, we need to offer to the Lord honor and service, all of which involve the priority of time. We need to serve this God that has done and continues to do everything for us, whether we realize it or not. God's grace is free, but that doesn't mean that this grace, His salvation, does not have a purpose for our lives. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 to 13 says this to us, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it, in that you say, the table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, its food, is contemptible. You also say, Oh, what a weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick, thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand? says the Lord. And so, we need to offer to the Lord more than what is material. We need to do those things that are pleasing before Him, those things that bring Him honor and glory and help His kingdom grow so others can come to His salvation. We need to seek after His will, His purpose for our lives. Now, what happens if you have fallen out of love with the Lord and if you have fallen in forming wrong relationships or do not offer to the Lord your resources and your time? God is a God of mercy. And as a merciful God he is, he is a forgiving God, a loving God, one that can make everything new if you just repent from your sins, pray for forgiveness, if you turn away from the wrong you are doing and come back to him. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 to 20 teaches us this, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. First John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, we are also taught this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And finally, Ezekiel chapter 33 teaches us this. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you say, If our transgressions and our sins lie upon us, and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Therefore you, O son of man, say to the children of your people, The righteousness of the righteous man shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall because of it in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Nor shall the righteous be able to live because of his righteousness in that day that he sins. When I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity, none of his righteous works shall be remembered, but because of the iniquity that he has committed, he shall die. Again, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, if he turns from his sin and does what is lawful and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has stolen, and walks in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his sins which he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. If we turn away from the right path and start to do what is wrong before the Lord, then we got major issues, even if we have found grace through Jesus Christ. But if we turn away from the evil of our ways and come back to the Lord's ways, letting go of the sin we have in our lives, God restores us and life comes back. God's desire is for everyone to find life through Jesus Christ and for people to practice those things that perpetuate life in us. God only wants what is good for us. Nothing good happens when we fall out of love with the Lord. When we fall out of love with the Lord, only destruction sets in as the natural consequence of that sin. We cannot do anything good apart from the Lord. We need to abide in Him, abide in His love. If we don't abide in Him, then other sins start setting into our lives and the fall starts. And it can be a very fast process if we are not careful. We always need to keep at the forefront this principle that everything with the Lord is based on love. And like the love it is, He will never force you to want to be with Him. He wants for everything to be voluntary. He may allow for certain things to happen to help steer you back into the right direction, but He will never force you to follow Him. God loves us because He wants to love us, because He chooses to love us, not because He has to love us. We have the same condition. We need to love the Lord because we choose to love Him, because we have understood and are grateful for everything He has done. The good news is that if you have fallen out of love with the Lord, you can always come back. Repent from the wrong you have done because not loving the Lord is the most unfaithful thing anyone can do. How can we not love the Lord if we owe Him everything 
our existence, our abilities, the air we are breathing at this very moment, and the greatest of all things, the eternal salvation we have through the sacrifice of His only begotten Son, the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. You need to love the Lord and stay in love with Him for your own good and also for the good of others around you. We always need to bear in mind this principle as well. When we fall, we not only impact our lives negatively, but we also influence everyone else around us negatively. The Bible says we need to be the light and the salt of the world. But what happens if we go dark and if we lose our flavor? Then we in turn perpetuate darkness and the taste of death that surrounds us. And so come back to loving Christ before worse things start to happen. Abide in His love by loving Him and doing those things that He teaches us to do for our own good and for the good of others. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us to understand, O oh Lord, to truly understand what You have done for us. And Heavenly Father, help us to understand the wonderful promises that we have ahead of us when we remain in you, when we love you, when we are faithful to you, Lord God. Help us, O oh Lord, not to lose sight of who you are and what you have done. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, for sending him, Lord God, as the holy sacrifice so that we could be saved, so that we could have eternal life. And thank you because you did it out of love. Heavenly Father, you are truly wonderful and great in every kind of way. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help us to understand that the most important thing to you is that we love you. Help us to learn how to love you, to appreciate the things that you have done, to be grateful for all the wonderful things that you have done. And Heavenly Father, help us to appreciate the wonderful things that you have yet set before us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your promises. Help us to remain faithfully in love with you, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.